Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and with last season's Scottish Cup coming one step closer to concluding alongside plenty of league action, we've got a fair bit to get through on today's show. As always, I'm joined by Struan Garvey who's had better weekends alongside Sean McGill and Cameron Monster, both of which, both of whom should be pretty happy with how things have gone over the weekend. Uh, as always, mm. we do kick things off with the big question. And this week, right, you're going to have to bear with me here, boys, because it's, it's a bit of a stupid one at the same time as being quite clever. I don't know. I've drawn inspiration from Montrose's fantastic signing announcement video using uh, Deal or No Deal to announce the signing of Harry Cochran on loan from Hearts. My question to you lot, and I, re- I want you to get thinking, get creative, which other TV game show could be used to announce a new signing? And just just think of the entire realm of daytime TV that we all that we all know. You've got your pointless. You've got the chase. You get all that oh. sort of stuff. What what one would you want to draw inspiration from to announce a new signing for your club, Struan, I want I want your creativity on its top level here. Um. <laughs> oh. Part of me thinks I should have previewed this big question. The group chat. Do you want to go first, Jack, to give us some thinking time? I will. Well, you know, oh, okay. Right, I'll, I'll let I'll let you. Uh... Sorry, Struan. <laughs> I thought you were, I was trying to buy you some time. I shut up, right. I'm going to go. Right. I'll tell you right now, with the guff, reading it back, <laughs> looking at what I've put down, it's horrific. Right, we all know the show Catchphrase, Stephen Mulhern hosts it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. what what my idea, this, this is partially like my TV news module coming in, like sequences and, sequences and all that stuff. Uh, we'd have the new signing, obviously, covered in mystery. He's playing that say what you see section of the show, where it comes up on the screen and you need to come up with the, the phrase for what's going on. You've you would have the word new. The word new in letters with stick legs and googly eyes. Walking down a red carpet. Signing autographs. The camera pans to the new signing, whoever it may be. Say it's David Goodwillie going to Montrose, I don't know. Uh, pans to him who buzz- and he buzzes in and says, new signing. <laughs> I'll see myself out. <laughs> I think the fact that I'm the only one that laughed is a damning indictment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking for laughs. I'm looking for critical acclaim with this. Well, I, I, like I thought it was no got that either. <laughs> I, th- um, I I thought that was supposed to be like a player your club has signed and the game show that could have been used as that. Oh, so well, yeah, I was no, just going to say yeah, is Donny well, van der Beek is like pointless because he doesn't play. Ah, uh, that's a few uh, of those you could have had. There's a few of those. So. I was thinking Kepa. Kepa was up there for that one. Not point, You'd also play Countdown to try and work out the Chelsea Green transfer budget. for Chelsea because he never played a minute. Um, well, who, want, who wants to follow that then? Well, what about Countdown to work out a transfer budget? <laughs> what, just Arsenal's keeps going down? <laughs> Give them a player and seven numbers to work out how to afford him. <laughs> Sack 55. <laughs> Sack Gunnosaurus. <laughs> So try one mascot and Mesut Ozil's playing career and he gives you Thomas Party. <laughs> um, when Harry Maguire said for Man United you could have used the cube for his massive heat. Um, you also could have done deal or no deal for that one. Can, can you beat the cube? In, in a lot of cases, yes. Yeah, it was quite easy. Um, don't know. This is rough. Yeah, this is a rough. Something in the, the ever, price. Ever the, um, something in the price is right, but um, I can't think of, of who anyone Sean, who's been a decent Bra- price. Sean or Bradley Wright Phillips moving, and the the price is right. Yeah, right, right, Phillips. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's one. <laughs> That's one. <laughs> That's potentially the worst, uh, the worst and the best question that we've asked. <laughs> I can't think of any like daytime TV shows right now. I keep thinking the pointless. Um, was was Alexis Tipping Sanchez point? is not Britain's Got Talent audition? <laughs> That's kind of true. That, I, don't. I, I suppose. Best thing he did. Yeah, his best performance. <laughs> Realistically, was. So so we're, no no one's going to be able to top the the new signing on catchphrase. Is that is that what we're saying? 
and no one's going to ask him. Well, <laughs> I think after, the chase would be like uh, the Glazers trying to deny the club from making a signing. So you've, you're basically in Ed Woodward in that situation of the manager trying to get the money to actually sign them. But in reality, the Glazers, the chaser, the Glazer, if you will, trying to take the money oh back for themselves God. rather than actually spending it on the club. I think the chase he could all, almost have Jack Ross as a contestant and Aberdeen as the chaser trying to catch them for whatever <laughs> new signing they're going after. They're successful in Ross McCurry. I, I think after all this chat, I'm reaching my tipping point, so we should move on. I think we need to. I, th- Tip, I think we need to. That, tipping point! Tipping point! <laughs> oh, come on. No, no, Sean, I got it, but. Man, <laughs> been knocked out since since no no one's about to contest that. Right, that's gone horrendously, but we're gonna need to move on because he spent six minutes talking about games. <laughs> right, let's start chewing the football with a lot of action up here in Scotland to discuss. Starting with both Scottish Cup semi-finals that played out at Hamden over the weekend. Hearts overcame City rivals Hibernian to win two one after extra time, while Celtic overcame a poor run of form to defeat recent Premiership opponents Aberdeen with Ryan Christie and Mo Elianusi scoring in a 2-0 victory. We are going to start with the derby, as a lot of us expected, with both sides of the coin represented on today's show. We'll come to the, the loser in this situation first. Struan, through green-tinted glasses, I'm sure, were Hearts deserved winners in this one? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say, you know, I mean... I don't want to be too biased in this, obviously, but I mean, yeah, they did deserve it. They won the game at the end of the day. They, yeah, they deserved it. Well, I'll be, I'll be fair. Hibs definitely had their chances and they didn't take them, but at the same time, they just, they just never really, never stood the challenge. I guess at the end of the day, maybe Hearts wanted it more. It was, um, it was, it was a game of football. Yeah. I don't really have much else to. <laughs> it was a game of football. That's your. Yeah, no, no, I, you, you love following yeah, Barkham, don't you? Yep, it's a game of football. It's just a game. Cameron, I take it you are. <laughs> Keep you telling were, yourself you're a lot happier than what Shane's coming across just now. Yeah, I'm a little bit happier. Um, just a little bit. I thought maybe, I thought a draw would have been completely fair because both teams squandered just. Like, I feel Hearts had actually more clear cut chances like that White and cut back and the boys one on one later on. They completely like fluffed their lines, but Hibs had a lot more just like blocked attempts. Like the amount of times Hearts just threw bodies on the line, like Ooh. the one like Smith when we get, I think Popescu maybe got one or two blocks as well. Um, so I feel it's really hard to say who deserved it more, but at the end of the day, we take our cheated penalties and Hibs don't, so <laughs> we're the victors. That's how it is. I also wanted to do, <laughs> talk on the performance of uh, Craig Gordon. Uh, the yeah. former Celtic man did absolutely everything with his power to make sure that Hibs uh, were kept out for as long as possible. And I mean, you mentioned Arthur Pescu and uh, Smith making blocks, but the amount the, the amount of saves that Gordon made, particularly that really one one handed deflection away early in the first half, and then the Christian Dodge overhead kick save that <laughs> no one saw coming. That no one saw coming. <laughs> uh, how how important is was Craig Gordon's performance last uh, over the weekend and I suppose looking at the season as a whole potentially because yeah. considering who the pretenders that Hearts were fielding in goal last season compared to where they are now yeah well I never want to see Joe Pereira ever again so the fact that we brought back essentially a club icon uh, is brilliant he's going to be huge like you saw there's not only just the saves but he's clearly like, just a leader in the team as well mm-hmm. I think if we didn't already have players like Naismith and um Halkett and Beryl and he would probably be captain um, wouldn't be shocked if he does put on the armband a few times this season but yeah especially in the championship as well that's going to be a pretty that's that's below his level he's still a premiership goalkeeper mm-hmm. uh, there's no doubt about it and uh, he's going to be massive for us he's, he, was, he was by far man of the match I think he did win the award but I think the only other players on the part that came close were maybe Michael Smith Peter Haverman when he came on I guess but I don't think it was a very average performance from everyone on the pitch except him I feel he was just on another level maybe he spilled Gogic's volley but I think that was mainly just the weather conditions I think any other day would have caught that no problem uh, Cam- Cameron mentioned it there Sean uh, just before talking about Craig Gordon about the uh, the cheated penalties and there were a number of different <laughs> shouts for, the, for penalties in this game and referee Willie Collum came under a lot of scrutiny online for his performance and a lot were arguing that Hibs should have had a spot kick at the end of the second half when uh, both Christian Dodge and Martin Boyle hit the deck in the Hearts area 
What what do you reckon? Are these justifiable complaints, or did Colum have a decent game all in all? I thought it was fine to be honest. Obviously, those the two penalties and extra time were both um, wrong in my opinion. Uh, the Hibs one more so than the Hearts one. Mm. I think that um, you could see maybe why he's given that. Um, who's who's the who gives away that penalties and McGinn? Pesky and McGinn. Oh wait, sorry, I thought you meant the Hearts one. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, uh, McGinn's wrong side. It's a bit clumsy, but still too soft, I think. But the first one definitely is not a penalty. Um, and I, those ones in um, in uh, real time and in, um, in the, within the ninety minutes, I don't think they're penalties either. They're too soft. I think Boyle chucks himself to the floor for the second sort of swipe out. I think he jumps over Halkett's leg. So I mean, and I and an Edinburgh derby and a Scottish Cup semi final, the referee's always going to be under immense scrutiny. And whoever comes out on the losing side, I think, is gonna try and deflect to that a bit. But all in all, I think it's a bit harsh. Uh, what What about from a from a more biased perspective, uh, Struan and Cameron? What did you make of the the penalty shouts? So, Struan, you you first as the the bereaved loser. Oh, terrible referee! I've never seen a performance like that. No, <laughs> <laughs> no that's spot on. Everything Sean says. I, I, I said it in our group chat as well at the time. I thought it was like they were pretty. The two penalties were probably bad calls to actually give both of them, but it is what it is. And I don't think either of the ones at the end of the 90 minutes were penalties either. They were very, very soft. You're the yeah, same I think, Cameron, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think maybe the, the Hearts penalty we got, it's like Sean says, maybe, maybe that is a, a penalty. I think the ones at the end of the second half, maybe Boyle still is, but it is very soft. And to be honest, even the free kick we got that, that stopped that being a penalty... Even that was soft. Like Boyle, Boyle literally just tapped Halkett on the chest and we got a free kick for it. It's never a free <laughs> kick. I don't know what the ref sees or the linesman or Bobby Madden behind the goal because that's not even a foul. So they technically got five decisions <laughs> wrong there. Um, I don't know. I think I think really that did change the shape of the game. I think it, it added drama though. And that's one good thing because Edinburgh Derbys are famously boring just awful games of football and consider when, when I saw the weather I thought this was going to be the worst derby of all time but uh, no it actually turned out to be quite exciting so yay not having VAR and yay Willie Collum being hopeless <laughs> yay Willie Collum never did I once think I would ever hear that statement from anyone in my life uh, from one cup final to another uh, cup semi-final rather sorry uh, Hearts final opponents were uh, made themselves known on Sunday as Celtic knocked Aberdeen out of the running with two first half strikes being enough to extend Celtic's winning run in domestic cups to 35 wins Cameron how are we feeling about coming up against Celtic and yet another cup final don't don't I just, <laughs> just wait. I was so happy on the Saturday and now I'm just so very upset um, no it's not the same Celtic it's not the same Celtic even last year like the seasons before, obviously, they were just an unstoppable machine. We fa- we always seem to face them in the early rounds of the Cups, mm. so we still meet them anyway, League Cup and Scottish Cup, and we always get battered. Um, then last season we played them, we thought, oh, you know, Neil Lennon's hopeless, so we might actually win this. And then, you know, Bobby Zalal and Christoph Bever happened, and it just all went to pot. So uh, this season, I'm feeling a lot more confident. What about him? You've always moaned about odds, odds and Edward and that um, that penalty decision in that cup final. That's uh, been that your running a, thing on energy extra time throughout the start that, of time. That was a very suspect penalty, but I thought <laughs> I'd be civil, Sean. I thought I'd be civil and just blame it on Samal instead. We don't want because, that. Uh, we don't why, want uh, civil behaviour. Fine, right. Odds and Edward is a cheater and a diver and I don't like him. Okay? Oh my God. It's that simple. Right. <laughs> he like died that, for that, that penalty that, that and I'll never change my mind. Yeah. <laughs> like that boy tired the Arsenal fan TV got on a mopey here, did <laughs> Sean's goaded me, right? I've fallen for the bait, right? <laughs> no. Anyways, this season I feel a bit more confident because it's Neil Lennon times two. Um, it, they've got progressively worse. I think they're not the same team as they have been the last few years. Uh, they don't have that sort of new manager bounce that they did last time. Mm-hmm. I just think, yeah, why not? Like, fair enough. Yeah, they were quite convincing against Aberdeen. I've only seen highlights. So I'll let you guys debate that. But um, I feel they were quite convincing. But it's still, it's still. We're not close enough to the final to tell. They could go on an amazing run here, like six wins in a row right before the final. And we could be in big trouble. But as it is just now, I don't see why not. We are sort of we've got this like siege mentality kind of going on just now. Like oh, we've been relegated and we've just beaten our rivals when they're the favourites for once. And yeah, why not? Let's let's just go for it and take them on. And it's a cup final. You never know what can happen. Eh? That's very true. Before 
Before we get into the Celtic Aberdeen game, it is mental that this Hearts team is in two consecutive Scottish Cup finals. <laughs> <laughs> they're absolutely rotten. Like, they're not a team. The scorer last season was Ryan Edwards. Like, how is he playing in a Scottish Cup final? <laughs> Outstanding. No, it's he a, ended up being one of your better players towards the end of that I season know, as well, know, just because he, because he got, ran. He was one he of the few exiled from the team. He got exiled because he celebrated a St. Mirren goal while on loan <laughs> and came back and was by far best player with Aaron Hickey, who was making like his second appearance. I don't, I don't get this team. I really don't. But look at Aaron Hickey. That's He's thriving. He's absolutely flying in Italy. Look at him now. I know. I don't know, amazing. But no, seriously, I think we have a good chance. All honesty, like I said, unless they go on like a massive run towards the end of December, I think we have a really good chance this year. You're not going to make. Solid. You're not going to make an any any kind of an esque statement here. No, I've already shouted enough about Edward, a player that I actually really like. Give us a clip. We need something we can clip. <laughs> <laughs> give us the option. I know. I've, I've slagged off too many times. That's no more. <laughs> I have a feeling uh, something I'm saying later on could end up getting quite, quite badly depending what about, on the performance. What well. about Craig White and Hattrick? What about that? Is that yeah. clippable? Yeah. 3 0 win, Craig White and Hattrick. I suppose. Mm-hmm. We'll take that. Good enough. Struan, Camden touched on the fact that Celtic looked quite convinced against Aberdeen, and they were that, despite a quite strong momentum towards Aberdeen in the second half. They really didn't look to threaten at all. Do you think that this is Celtic overcoming a hurdle that they've really struggled to get past so far this season, or were they only playing this way because it was last season's competition? It's a very, it's a very good point. That is, I like that comment. But um, I think Celtic were really good. The second half, they just looked knackered. You know, a big mid a midweek trip to Lille really kind of caught up with them in the second half. But I think what this game showed is how much certain players who have been missing for Celtic bring. You know, Diego Laxalt's uh, fitting into the team. He's looking really strong. Having Edward back up front is just a fantastic asset. Having Christian Rogic on the side as well, you know. It's quite crazy when you've seen these performances from Rogic just to think, you know, he nearly left her four million and mm-hmm. he's almost a game changer. But I think as things go on, it, it is quite apparent, in my opinion, that the players that, who have been missing for Celtic have made a big difference. And they, ju- they just looked really strong against Aberdeen. But as you said, in the second half, they just kind of fell away. But we're still able to hold on to the lead, which I guess is the mentality from a lot of them and that was without their best defender in my opinion Christoph Iyer as well uh, Sean you, you mentioned the point there about I, ju- I just wanted to touch I'll take it away from this game just quickly once again that this is an absolutely rotten heart team and I don't entirely disagree with you mm. but we, we were talking last night it was uh, Joel Sked who put, put it up on Twitter <laughs> thread about the game that said that he, he believes that hearts have the best fullback combination the fullback best fullback pairing in Scotland outside the old firm they've got yep. established internationals and trophy laden uh, players with trophy laden careers like Sir Craig Gordon Stephen Naismith is it that bad a team like realistically or, or is it just recent performances have just got us thinking that hearts are just guff more guff than perhaps we would anticipate them to be to be fair you've got to give this particular side a chance like you said new additions new manager um, new season but they still are a championship team and they're there because they were by far the worst team in the Premiership last year um, and largely the core of that side is is probably the same you would say um, but I, I think they could do something against Celtic, you don't you don't know for, for definite in a one-off game uh, I think in a game like that the Hearts crowd behind them would have been a massive thing um, is there a point when a Scottish Cup if there's no fans there I say no um, so I um, just because um, your team's still there. That's all that is. You're just. Jealous. I wouldn't be bothering. I, if if if, 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 if ah, you said there's no fans. Nah. Well, that's true. Don't bother winning it. Depends who's against. I'd be the same if Airwell there. You know, because I mean, like, they've got a chance <laughs> of getting to a cup final. Personally, that's cup, the reason I think I'm through it. To be fair. I haven't shown how long ago was that. <laughs> 2012. Keep, keep bringing this up all the time. I don't like it. <laughs> Oh, oh. Didn't choose. <laughs> Shut up, man. Uh, just before we touch, I want to touch on Neil Lennon quickly. We've uh, got a potential quadruple treble on the line on the 20th of December. That there's a chance to really cement his name in Celtic folklore. But do you think that securing such a historic accolade could save the fans' faith in Lennon, or is it going to take that 10th Premier League, uh, Premiership title to really secure himself as one of the best Celtic managers? One of the that better is, Celtic managers, I suppose. 
That is mad. I don't think we talk about this enough. Like like you said in the, the opening to this wee bit, that 35 consecutive cup games won. Like, nobody's done this before. No. The, a, a treble's mad. Then even the double treble was like, well, that's a pretty good achievement. And then, <laughs> like, we're literally Invincible one game away from... treble as well. Exactly. Mm. You're one game away from winning every trophy available to them for the past four seasons. And that's absolutely mad. Um... And obviously, if Lennon seals it, that's not his quadruple treble. It's not no. like he did at all. There's Brendan Rodgers as well. Um, but anything else he can sort of uh, present as a case as to why he is the right man for this job, um, I think I don't think if they lose the cup final, would be sacked. I'd, I do think Neil Lennon stays to end the season no matter what. Um, well, unless like Rangers seal it in like March or April or, so, or something like that. But um, it's such a crazy achievement, and I think. Even if this season goes badly, I still reckon that although Lennon will be looked at as a manager who mucked up 10 in a row, you've still got to look back at the fact that he started it, the fact that he's picked up these trophies along the way as well. It's just, uh, um, I don't like to give them too much credit, but it's, it's such a, a massive achievement. Aye, for me, it just always seems to get brushed under the carpet, especially uh, out, out with Scotland, just because I think people see it as just Scottish football and Celtic winning again but to maintain that level of success for four seasons is is completely ridiculous so I don't know I think if he, if he does do it it's fantastic obviously but I, I can still see a lot of questions being asked to Lennon throughout the season regardless of whether he gets this result or not but that's just the way that Celtic fans are they're, they're so hungry for success and they have a right to be that they really won't take mm-hmm. anything less than the absolute best from both player and manager We'll move away from some Scottish Cup action. There were matches from this season being played up and down the country. In the Premiership, Motherwell made it four wins in their last five as they won away at Livingston, with Tony Watt and Callum Lang scoring the goals in a 2-0 victory. Struan, the Motherwell now have their season back on track after a sloppy start which saw their strikers seemingly unable to score. Yeah, it looks like they're coming back to the back to normality, which I think we always thought they would, especially after a very strong season from last year. Just easing their way in but it looks like they are going to get back to where they should be it was maybe maybe that disruption with Robinson with the whole Northern Ireland job as well but hopefully he's back settled and everything's okay then ah, you would think so that seems to have worked itself out uh, Sean Sunday saw your boys Kilmarnock taking on the league leaders Rangers at Rugby Park and despite Stephen Gerrard's side picking up a 1-0 win they were really made to work much more for this win with Kelly testing the Rangers backline more than most have done so far this season Surely positives to take away for your boys. Definitely aye. Um, I think Alex Zayer said it after the game that we showed Rangers too much respect in the first half. Um, just really sort of let them dominate the ball, didn't get in their face enough, weren't physical enough. And despite their only shot on target being the penalty, which was, I've got no arguments with, it was a moment of madness from Ross Millen to try and, I don't know, playing volleyball or something. Um <laughs> And Tavernier, as he does, dispatches the penalty. Um, and then in the second half, Kelly really came out fighting. Maybe not that many clear-cut chances. Good McGregor save from a profi free kick. Uh, a couple of sort of half chances. But Rangers definitely a better team, definitely worth their win. And um, a good mentally for them to get a win at a ground where they have historically really struggled. I think that's just their second league win at Rugby Park under Stephen Gerrard so um, but I good from Kelly to give them that that really tough game and a, a tougher game than Celtic did a few weeks ago Aye, absolutely uh, Cameron I might be testing you a bit here with this but I'd wanted to bring up Partick Thistle again because I do find it quite funny that they've really struggled to settle into life in League 1 after being um, exiled from the Championship as Hearts were from the Premiership they lost their second game in three on Saturday with Cove Rangers picking up all three points at home after a late Ronnie McAllister winner. I think a few of us might have expected all the Uncle Ian's side to kind of make their, make their mark on this division <laughs> and really, really contest themselves as the best team in the division. But are we expecting these struggles to continue or, or are we expecting things to ret- like return to normality and show that Partick have been are one of the bigger teams in, the, in, the, in League One? To be honest, I, th- I think they'll just kind of be pushing a playoff spot. I think they will settle eventually. Like even Parkfist aren't that much of a disgrace. But um, I think personally, I think Falkirk will win the league. 
I think they're sitting second. I think Cove are actually top, um, three from three, um, which is brilliant. I think I would love to see Cove Rangers do like a, a Gretna kind of thing, you know, without the going bust afterwards, because I think they could do it. They seem to have some money. <laughs> They've got Hearts legend Paul Hartley at the helm, so why not? Um, but yeah, Party Fissile, as much as it's quite funny to laugh at them, um, they're the sort of team that shouldn't even be finishing below second in that league. No, You've got Falkirk not. there, but they really should be finishing second or winning the league. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know why. Why are they so bad? I, I don't get why. I don't Ian get <laughs> and that's uh, Yeah. Uncle Ian <laughs> like, not oh, but their team, anymore. isn't their team like semi-decent? Haven't they got some players still kicking about? Like, I, I don't know who's even in their team just now. Ricky Foster. Anyone any idea? Brian Graham. He wears some funny glasses on sports scene. Brian Graham still at Ross Doherty went went from air uh, signed a pre-contract then they get relegated Declan so Glass is on loan from Dundee United Salim Kusser Aisa is on loan from Livy get that, get that uh, boy uh, Blair Lyons who was at Montrose who's meant to be quite good he, got still got Stuart Bannigan as well and they've but got a not, banging song from Heights. I was going to say, that, that, that is the one still playing about Partick. That's why everyone celebrates Partick more than most, because of Heights. Jack and Victor are also Partick fans, I'm pretty sure. That's the they were, that, that, was, that was what they talked about when they were in Canada. Greg Hemphill was yeah. tweeting about Hibs on Saturday. Was he? I know, he. What's that about? Was he saying they were hopeless? He just said that Hearts had been given a penalty that wasn't a penalty, I think. I'm sure he's a Celtic fan, is he not? Well, Paul Riley's know. a Rangers fan. You know that. Yeah, I think Ford Kiernan is as well. That would make sense. Right, I think before... I think your, your famous Hibs fans are pretty much the Murrays. The Murrays. <laughs> there <it>. we go. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, Hearts have disgraced uh, First Minister Alex Salmond <laughs> and Ronnie Corbett. So <laughs> was it not, not a video of uh, Tommy Robinson in that heart shirt as well? Aye, there was. <laughs> there was. Oh. Aye, so Tommy what Robinson is now back in jail. So. <laughs> Oh, we just bring in Jack, all the great people, don't we? Jack, thinking of famous fans, what about Marie Osman, the Kilmarnock fan? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> current First Minister of Nicky Sturgeon is, a, is, a, is an honest woman of her own, so we've got that going for us. The leader of the country is, supports the best yeah, we, in the country. We've got so. Josh Taylor, though. So. Uh, well, I think Nicky Sturgeon could knock Josh Taylor out. Biffy Clyro! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right, before we move on to the English games... I'm gonna make I'm gonna make enough time to laugh at my team so Sean doesn't have to. He doesn't get the chance. <laughs> Let me paint you a picture, boys. Ayr were Ayr playing Morton at the weekend. Went in at half time, one 0 up through through an own goal. I'm signed with that. That's fine. Come at the second half, seven minutes goodbye. Adam Muirhead sees sees red, gets himself sent off, leaving us to play. What I've seen, half like the half a man down. Bit poor, not not great, but we persevere. Despite all, despite it all, and despite the negativity that's already in my mind about here, we double our advantage. Cammy Smith gets us a second goal with 15 yeah. minutes to go. I'm like, right, brilliant. We're, we're, we're keeping, we're keeping the faith. We're, we're keeping solid against against uh, an, a team with an extra man. I'm like, this is fine. Morton score. I'm like, fine. That I can I can deal with that. I'd expect them to score at least one. Uh, two minutes later, they score again. No great, but considering the circumstances. I wasn't was awfully a point. angry with a draw. Three minutes later, Lewis Strat fires Morton's third past uh, Sinsalo in the goal, and I get a noise complaint for swearing very loudly in my flat. <laughs> no, I never. No, I never, but I just wanted to exacerbate my reaction. Were you I'm watching it? Minister no, thanks. I used to always be watching it. I was watching Chelsea, so at least I had something to be happy about. Oh, uh, the goal times 83, 85, 88. <laughs> <laughs> he made a sub so 86 pleasing. to try and like shore up and then immediately conceded again <laughs> oh Air so United just a constant battle the, g- the gift that keeps on giving boys and you get to live the depression with me this year so you're, you're going to be happy about it uh, we'll move the focus down south before I really end up wanting to talk myself uh, we'll look at a weekend in the Premier League that seemed to suggest that things are getting back to some sense of normality Palace and Aston Villa seem to both have come back down to earth following some impressive starts. Sheffield United continued their horrendous start uh, to the season as they were defeated at home to Manchester City. However, I first wanted to discuss the league champions. 
Liverpool had their work cut out for them as they secured a win at home to West Ham, with goals from Mo Salah and Diogo Jota cancelling out Pablo Fernandes' opener, have that Jamie McIntosh. Uh, Cameron, Liverpool were made to work hard for this one and were forced to bring in uh, 23-year-old Nathaniel Williams to partner Joe Gomez mm-hmm. in defence with the injuries that they've had. Uh, with a tough couple of fixtures coming up, including City and Leicester in their next two league games, could we potentially see a bit more struggle from Liverpool than initially expected? Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I wonder if he'll start those league games, because I know he's not registered for the Champions League, so it's not like he'll be knackered midweek. They'll probably play Reese Williams or something in there. But I wonder against like City if they'll maybe drop back Henderson. They've done that in the Club World Cup last year against Flamengo, and we can laugh and go, oh, like Club World Cup, playing a Brazilian team. But they were a really good team that really threatened us, and Jordan Henderson was outstanding. So mm-hmm. I really wouldn't be shocked to see maybe Henderson drop back for that game, but... Nathaniel Williams, Phillips had a good game. I think everyone praised him. I think he was solid. Um, it wasn't the goal that went in against us. wasn't his fault. It was Joe Gomez's. A pretty poor cleavance. But, um, yeah, Liverpool could struggle, but right now we're still top. And with the amount of injuries we've already had just this season, we've already had, like, a dozen players ruled out, most of them key starters. And uh, we just keep going. So uh, that sort of game there shows, like, sort of just a resilience and, a, like, that mentality giant sort of thing that Klopp loves to bang on about, that... No matter what gets thrown at Liverpool, they just keep going and keep winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, How long has Fabinho out? I didn't see that. Not until at least Christmas. Probably, a, yeah, a good few weeks at least, probably. Maybe a month or two. That's not good. Just, yeah, not good at all. <laughs> That's not good at all, is it? <laughs> uh, Struan, this is the first game that West Ham have lost since our game week two and look like they could have ended up getting something out of this one, especially after the way that they started and especially considering Mikael Antonio was missing for this game. How do you think they'll do going forward? I mean, they've got Fulham and Sheffield United in the next two games, with both both of those matches surely being bankers for David Moyes. Uh, it's a tough one to call. I think they've had a really, really strong start to the season, but I don't know if it's one of them where, again, they do well against the big teams because they can sit back and hit on the counter, and they've got the right players to hit on the counter with the likes of Jared Bowen, Fernals, and uh, Mikel Antonio up front. And just got a really solid back five, especially with Declan Rice, Mark Noble, and Suchek kind of shielding. But it's 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 so tough to call any David Moyes team. I think yeah. in recent years at the moment, as as we know, they could honestly beat Liverpool or you know uh, get some strong results, then lose to Liverpool, and then from there they could just fall away. I think Antonio is a massive loss. I think since Project Restart, he's been absolutely fantastic, and it just doesn't seem like David Moyes has the same faith in Haller, despite you know costing nearly fifty million pounds. But yeah, so it's it's a tough one to call. But I think they will. I think they will struggle a wee bit. But I don't think there'll be any kind of relegation um, problem this season. I think they'll be absolutely fine for that. I I'd agree with that. I I think I kind of wrote, wrote them off a bit at the start. Just I did not have any faith in West Ham whatsoever. But Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. me too. They look like they could be proven as wrong at the end of the day, which is always good. Uh, Saturday also saw a return to winning ways for Frank Lampard's Chelsea with the Blues making no mistakes away at Burnley running out as 3-0 winners on the day. Sean, Chelsea haven't conceded a goal in their last four games and have played some really good attacking football especially since Hakim Ziyech became fit enough to make the starting living doing so for the first time away in Krasnodar midweek. Despite Lampard's relatively underwhelming management do Chelsea still have the capability of pushing their way into the top four by the end of the season? Yeah, I think so. I think they could be a top four uh, side, definitely. They've got the talent there to to be one. And um, there's loads of good teams in the, in the side this, uh, the division this year. I think it's going to be hard to sort of pick apart who would get into that top four spot. But I definitely think that, um, you've, I mean, you've looked at that attack and talent and now they seem to be getting a bit more balance in the side. They seem to be have reached a system that can maybe find them more defensive stability. And... Um, you definitely have to consider Chelsea is definitely um, in with a shout of getting top four. Absolutely. Now, I wanted to bring in. I want to bring up one man from this game, and this is a point where if he makes, if he just falls off a cliff in terms of form, this is going to end up getting clipped. But I, but I'm saying it with my chest. I'm saying I'm saying it confidently. Uh-huh. So according to who scored data, this yeah. man has been the highest rated centre back in the league campaign so far this season, with an average rating of seven point four eight out of 10 he scored 3 goals in the league this season more than Rashford Cavani Greenwood and Pogba combined just twist a knife in for strewing a bit more there he makes them sound like they're good players <laughs> <laughs> Rashford only has like doesn't have that many league goals 
No, not yeah. in the league. Sorry. He's only got uh, ten in the league so far. He's won 74% of his duels on the ground, so every he's only missed he's only losing out in one and four one and four. While also winning eighty seven percent of his aerial battles and boasting a ninety percent pass accuracy in the league. Is it time to admit, boys, that Kurt Zuma is a good centre back? Is my agenda is, finally coming up? Is this what is your thing? What is this? What is your Kurt Zuma thing? I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know I don't know where it came from, but like he came in from uh, St Etienne in I believe twenty fourteen fifteen season. Uh-huh. Uh in the January got loaned out, came back, slotted in as a nineteen year old alongside John Terry and looked far and far and beyond the best centre back at the club at the time was putting in excellent challenges, was just really playing above, above his uh, grade and really just settled in at home. And I don't know why, I just have an affinity to this man. And then, then he get injured against Man United, as I'm sure Struan will remember. Uh, I think it was... It was again, a hyper knee, wasn't it? It was uh, the hyper I think Eber got the same one that season later Yeah, on. I was going to say, that was the... Uh, well, I can't even think that was 15, the relationship I remember between that 16, 17, sorry yeah uh, he's out for a while then he comes back goes on loan to Stoke goes on loan to Everton comes back last season and then gets underutilised for a large part of the season I think our best football last season was played when it was a centre-back partnership of Zuma and Tamori then he comes out of favour because Rudiger comes back and Rudiger was first choice at the time he's now proven himself to be horrific and Zuma has again risen through the ranks, but I seem to be the only one that's think that thinks though thinks so. Um, out of everyone that I speak to, even my friends, my mates from back home, laugh at me. But to to quote that that one clip from Nigel Farage, who's laughing now? <laughs> you all laughed at me, but who's laughing? Can I just now? say, Jack? I used that last week in fancy football, and it's came back to haunt me this week because I've had a shocker. So maybe you shouldn't use that exact clip. <laughs> Cam, it's already on the recording though. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, I, no, I actually can agree. I've always liked Kurt Zuma. I, I know that he suffered quite a bad injury. It was, it was a bad one, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. He was I extended knee, and he was out for about eight months or something like that. Yeah, that's that's sure. Like people, players that get injuries like that should always be given just a little bit, a little bit of leeway when we're talking about them because it is difficult to come back for them. I've always thought he's like the like the whole package, but I admit I've not seen enough of him recently. But I'll take your word for it. If he's playing well, I'll take who scored word for it as well. Um, I'll, I'll stand by you, Jack. I'll stand by you, because I think you, he's a top centre-back as well. And I think if he stays injury-free, then he can really kick on and become one of the better centre-backs in the league. Struid, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think he's quite good. He's <laughs> always had potential. <laughs> never really um, focused that much. I, th- I think there's just kind of been a feeling, certainly since Antonio Conte left, that Chelsea centre-backs are just not up to scratch recently. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's ever been really a consistent two under Lampard for any length of time but hopefully having somebody in like Thiago Silva has helped Kurt Zuma a lot and yeah he hopefully can kick on this season or head on this season as yeah. his goals yeah, very good like that <laughs> <laughs> shot, was a good header as well this week it was very good that was yeah. a power header I love that scarily yeah. enough off a Mason Mount corner as well mm-hmm. which there is the most concerning thing for me that Mason Mount starts <laughs> putting in good corners what, what's going to happen to Chelsea <laughs> are, we, are we just going to become Set piece masters after last season's calamitous uh, relationship with set pieces. Sean, Sean any any thoughts on my my favourite player? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, it. that's fine. I, I don't know why. Like that this weekend out of all weekends is probably the most positive I've been about Chelsea in a while, and it's weird because it was Burnley, but then Turfmoor is never an easy place to go. That's a myth. It's a myth. a myth. Why is it I a heard myth? on the Totally Football Show it's a myth, and I can't remember the numbers, but something like a Big Six side hasn't lost at Turf Moor in about five years. Yeah, is oh. rubbing his hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the game that saves his job, Stern. There we go. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. No, but I think what what Sean said was completely right. There just seemed to be something this weekend that clicked, and it seemed to click so well. Like there just was that really good balance where Kante could uh, sit back in that better role that he's adopted as a deeper line midfielder. And then Havertz and Mount both ahead of him as box to box attacking midfielders, which is Mount's best role in in a team. He uses his energy and his uh, that uh, side of his skill set to 
be push up and down uh, through the middle of the park and get the play moving that way. And he's been so effective in doing that when he has played there. And I think a lot of people have just contested why he started out in the wing. And I agree that Mason Mountain's not a winger. He's he's a he's a central midfielder and has potential to be a very very good one at that. Jack, I'm always reluctant to, to give you praise, but I believe that when we had this conversation before the start of the season, when we're sort of saying, what system do you use to fit all these players in? It was this one that you said would work for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. No, I did. And, and, uh, and I do stand firmly, firmly by it. I think we saw uh, this week, it was, it was the best back five that we have in Mendy, James, Silva, Zuma and Chilwell, who I think has been excellent for Chelsea so far. Uh, the midfield three is our best midfield three. Kovacic is a good player and he's good technically, but I don't think he offers a lot of attacking output. Jorginho, I've said it before and I'll say it again, now that he's not scoring as many penalties as he would, he's not got that really good record. He's a bit useless in amongst it. In amongst it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Gilmore comes back into the fray because it doesn't look like he's getting put out on loan and he's back training ahead of schedule, so... I'm interested to see how he fits in. And then that front three, while Pulisic would be my ideal starter on the left with Werner through the middle, Tammy Abraham played a really good role as a sort of false nine dropping deep and linking up. Gave a good little layoff to ZH for the first goal. So, Chelsea are doing what I want and I'm not used to that. So, I'll be be happy with Chelsea just now because A aren't making it easy for me. Oh, I want them to move on was. to Manchester United. We are going to move on to Manchester United from someone who's been very happy with his team <laughs> to someone who's been miserable. Uh, the biggest profile game of the weekend played out last night in a way that Mr Garvey wouldn't have been happy with at all. Arsenal won away at Old Trafford for the first time in five years with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's penalty being the difference in a 1-0 win for Mikel Arteta's side. Struan, I've got a feeling you've got a lot to say about this one. and I, I don't know why I've got that feeling, but I, w- I would like you to... You have the floor for as long as you need it. Well, first of all, I'll just make it even worse for myself by saying I think it's actually 14 years it's the first time Arsenal have won at Old Trafford. But mm. it's also not the in, first time it's in about... 14 games? No, no. 14 years? So 14 years, yeah. Six was the last time Arsenal oh, won I'd, at Old Trafford. Five years or and they, they years, haven't sorry. beaten a big six away in about six, seven years either. Mm. Which which is really poor from Arsenal. Let me just slag them off really quickly before I go into Man United. Anyway. <laughs> Have you got ground to slag them off in this situation? Uh, I mean, we're awful and they only scored a penalty. So, you know, isn't, isn't that why United are... But no, okay, anyway. So, I haven't actually been that gutted recently. The Champions League performances have been phenomenal. The PSG and Leipzig games were absolutely fantastic. But then it's, it's just the history of Solskjaer at Manchester United. You know, you put on a fantastic performance... And the next week you lose to a small team. You just I don't mean to mean Arsenal are small, sorry, that's the wrong context there, but every time it looks like momentum's happening and things are going in the right direction, it's it's just a massive step back. You know, it's it's one step forward, two steps back constantly. And I, I just don't know how much longer this can continue under Solskjaer. You know, he never he's been at the job for I think that was his one hundredth game against Arsenal. And in December it'll be two years he's had the job. And I still don't think he knows A his best eleven or be his best formation. You know, you, you talk about other teams in the Premier League, you know, Jurgen Klopp has his system and he buys players for that system. Guardiola is the same, you know, the top managers have a system and they get the players who are going to fit. All he seems to be doing it in a different way where he takes the best players and finds the system. It's, it's almost like a way, you know, where you would play football manager or a game like FIFA, you know, you, you get these players that you want to use and then you think, right, how can I, how can I make them work? Rather than coming up with a system and then going for the players. And I think under Solskjaer it's happening time and time again and I, I don't think the excuses can go many other directions because it's the same players that you know Jose Mourinho was able to win a Europa League a League Cup second place in the league using quote-unquote deadwood that, that Solskjaer tried to get rid of and you know there's all the talk about there's no clear leaders in the squad I, I don't believe that for a second I think there are plenty of loud voices in the changing room I just think those wrong changes. I, I personally, obviously, Martial had to leave the lineup from the Leipzig game, but I don't see why you need to change the other two. I'm a massive fan of Bruno Fernandes and Scott McTominay, as we all know, but I don't <laughs> think they needed to start given how well Van de Beek and Matic played. You're 1 0 down to Arsenal and you bring on Matic and keep McTominay on. So you have two holding <laughs> midfielders. Pogba has given away three penalties, I think, in his last eight starts and hasn't contributed a goal or an assist, and yet Solskjaer continuously plays him 
but it's not like he doesn't have other options. You've got Donny van de Beek sitting on the bench who could easily come on. You know, you have other players you can change the system. And it's, it's just over-reliance on individual brilliance from the likes of Rashford and Bruno Fernandes to continue with this. And if, if you're going to play a diamond, you know, allow your fullbacks to go forward because although Aaron Wan-Bissaka is one who gets a lot of stick for going forward, I, I don't put all the blame on him. I don't think Man United have ever played a system in which both fullbacks attack because Luke Shaw hasn't had an assist in the league in about three years, but ne- never gets the anywhere near the same criticism. So I think, I think this Everton game is going to be the decider for Ole, but I personally, even even if he wins, it's just the same situation. You look good again, and things are going in the right direction, and then you just you just go back down. And if you compare it to Arteta, who's been in the job for not even a year, he's got a system. He knows how he wants to play. You know, if you look at the two starting teams from yesterday, I would say Man United was stronger. I would, I would have definitely said at the moment the, the quality that United had on that pitch should have been good enough, but United were absolutely dreadful. And fair play to Arsenal, they absolutely played them off the park away from home. If that is still a thing right now, even without fans. Part of me was hoping for that. I was almost expecting a Taylor Murray esque just breakdown. You know that uh, this is this is quite naive of me at the time of from me at the time. But once Josie Mourinho was sacked, I, uh, Pochettino was the person who I wanted. As yeah. you know, he was at Tottenham, you know, it's very unfair of me to want a manager at another job. And maybe I've always had it in the back of my mind that Ollie's never quite going to be good enough. But I notice a lot of the time it's pundits and it's the same people. They never seem to put the blame on Solskjaer they always talk about the players but the players have changed in the time under Solskjaer you know it's because they're all all his mates aren't they Roy yeah, Keane Gary Neville Keen. they're not going to criticise his mates S- like, who, who was, was it that said the other day on Sports this is the these are the same group of players that threw Mourinho under the bus and are going to do the same to Solskjaer it was, it was Roy Keane that said that but I, d- I don't agree with that at all because a lot of the players who played yesterday all he's brought in you know he brought in Aaron Wan-Bissaka he's brought through Mason Greenwood he's brought through Bruno Fernandes you know Scott McTominay and Fred have had a lot more game time than they never had Maguire un- under Mourinho yeah Maguire I mean I mean, the back four under Josie Mourinho was Ashley Young Valencia Smalling and a mixture of Jones and Lindelof you know, it's, it's not the same group of players who quote unquote threw Josie Mourinho under the bus I, I, I do agree with Sean I don't think there's enough criticism of Solskjaer from the pundits and I, d- I don't see how they keep on going on about the lack of leaders and stuff like that when there, I think there, I believe there are leaders in that team in Bruno Fernandes Harry Maguire De Gea Pogba players like this even Marcus Rashford I think even at his age I, d- I just don't think there's enough criticism pointed at Solskjaer but I, d- I, don't, I don't understand how there isn't I really don't and can, they always sorry, ref- can I say something? I just think any other. <laughs> just let someone else speak for a second. No. <laughs> honestly, honestly, sharp man. Somebody else, please stop me. Honestly, no. I thought Stu did stop for a good move on. But I just want to say quickly: any other manager at Man United after six, seven games with seven points, sitting was it sixth bottom 15, in the league, yeah. yep. would be gone. Sacrifice. He's clearly hopeless. I hate when it all just gets but, put on the manager and the players get lit off. L- Louis, Louis it, Van Gaal no. won the FA Cup and got sacked. Exactly. How How is he not sacked? I just don't get it. I'm not even anti-Solkshire. Is... I'm not even really anti-United despite being a Liverpool man. Like I just, I don't get how you can have a team that good and be sitting that low and play just crap football. They sit there mm-hmm. going, oh, he's devising a counter-attacking team like Fergie did. It's like, not really. Like Fergie's team still dominated games and stuff. Like, and he had just as good a team. Solskjaer's teams just don't do anything. They just make a defensive mistake and lose. That's all they do. Just sack them. Like, everyone about Carlo Ancelotti. How have they got Carlo Ancelotti? And Man United have a guy that failed at, was at Mulder, Mulder and he failed at Cardiff, Cardiff City. Like, uh, in, in his defence, he did well at Mulder. He done well at Mulder. Well done. You could hire Ronnie Dyla, right? I don't care. Like, he's just hopeless. If, if Solskjaer wasn't Solskjaer, I completely agree. I don't think he'd be getting this kind of treatment. And it's it's talking about a rebuild. And I think maybe in five, ten years' time, people will look back and think, oh, you know, he actually he did sort the squad out. You know, he brought through a few young players. But he's, he's tactically, it's just not there. How can you but, be two years in a job and still not know your best formation or set of 11 players? Just, I don't know. This is what's happened since Cameron went on that quite passionate rant and strange shipped in there. Is my problem with the whole discourse around Manchester United at the moment is that PSG and RB Leipzig were praising uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tactics, were praising the fact that he's outmaneuvered some of the best tactical minds in the world football, were praising the fact that they've got big, big European results and big games. And then we come to um, Sar- sorry, Sunday's game and it's they've performed poorly, they've lost the game, and it's suddenly. 
Solskjaer's terrible, he needs to get out, Man United are in a massive decline. No consistency. It's, it's, it's an overreaction when they play well and it's an overre- overreaction when they don't play well. And I think what you need to accept is the fact that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done a middling job at Manchester United. He's enhanced his personal repu- repu- uh, reputation, reputation. Sorry, well, I'm getting passionate <laughs> now. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would, obviously was never, should never really, based on what he's done before, be in contention for a Man United uh, job coming off of this I think he'll get a perfectly fine job in another country his personal reputation reputation is higher um, but I think you need to accept that he's not good enough to be Man United manager but he's also not terrible and I think that instead of waiting for something to go absolutely like, horrendously wrong Man United need to just assess and go look is he really the man who's going to take us to the level we need to be at again no thank you for bringing players through thank you for making the signings you have uh, thank you for instilling a bit of positivity back into the club in certain scenarios but you're not the man to take us forward we need to go in a different direction so 100% if you want to manage a club like Man United you can't be happy with good enough at a yeah, top level you know, you're not going to get those like European results if you can't even get out of the bottom 10 like, you, yeah, I mean? like, you yeah. need to do it in both you can't just I, do it in I, Europe that's why I think the Social would, would be a really good international manager. Just play one off games yeah. in different countries every couple of months yeah. and he's south. Genuinely. He'd be one of the best international managers show. going. Give him the Norway yeah, job. That's a really good show. Yeah. I mean, I really hope the Glazers are enjoying these Champions League performances because the United won't be in Europe next season. It won't be in Europe at all. I mean I mean Europe, like Europa League. Not not just Champions Europa League. Maybe the conference. The conference. In the in the Premier League at the moment, you've got you've got your seven spaces. So the top four, in my opinion. Sorry. Aye, seven spaces. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to make a prediction about the top four. I'm just going to Man City are better than Man United at the moment. Liverpool are miles better than Man United at the moment. Tottenham, Arsenal, and Chelsea are Tottenham definitely. Arsenal, Chelsea are probably better than Man United at the moment. Everton, Leicester, and Wolves at the moment are arguably better, and that's eight teams. And maybe maybe it is an overreaction to include Wolves and Leicester and Everton, especially after the shaky starts at the moment. Mm. But I, th- I think it'll be a tough to to even get European football. It is maybe an overreaction from there, but I think it will be a very very tough ask, especially if Solskjaer keeps the job. In other news, Arsenal were playing. Uh, well, <laughs> Arsenal played in this game. <laughs> we might have forgotten about that fact, considering we've just spent. A good cool. seven or eight minutes talking about Solskjaer. Uh, Arsenal moved up to ninth with this win and could see their stock rise even further with some winnable fixtures on the way to their first North London derby of the season on the 5th of December. Sean, we had a fair bit of discussion about Mikel Arteta this time last week on the show. Uh, go and yep. listen to that if you haven't already, just uh, on the feed. Uh, is a win in this fixture, in a fixture like this one, the Man United one I'm speaking about, what he needed to prove any of those doubters wrong? Yeah, I think so. And I think it was a win for um, Arteta's style of play as well. I think that they pressed tremendously well. Um, obviously, it's about disappointing not to get a, a goal from open play, but they certainly had their chances. And um, it was definitely a penalty as well. And I just think that you can really see what they're they're doing. Um, Kieran Tierney does that weird sort of role of being a left centre-back, but also, he also overlaps. Yeah. Um, Gabriel was absolutely fantastic, by far the best player on the pitch. Um, Mohamed Elneny was class. Like, that, that, 90, that... that 91st minute, it was the one that you just saw the 60 seconds, just right in the game. It looked like he'd just come on. I forgot he was a thing. Like I forgot Mohamed Elneny existed. It was the Community Shield lineup, wasn't it? And he played, and I was like, "Oh, they've given him a run in the Community Shield. That's nice." He's, him and Thomas Party look window. look class. Like um, that looks like such a good. Um, Party was such him. a massive presence, wasn't he? Aye, and he's. I think people are sort of mischaracterising him a bit just because he's a defensive midfielder who played for Atletico Madrid so they expect him just to be an absolute sort of destroyer uh, dest- yeah destroyer is exactly what I was going to use but um, he's a classy player as well mm. and um, I Arsenal looking at a pretty good I thought the criticism because Arteta was premature last week and I have been proven correct Oh, cheers boys I shouldn't have given you that I, shouldn't have given I, you I that agreed with you at the time can I have some Strewn dead with me. <laughs> I can't remember what I said to be honest the point of making sure you said he was rotten and he should be sat. Did I? Oh, right, no, that sounds like something I would say definitely about Arteta and not Lampard. <laughs> or yeah, I, th- I think my concern last week was making sure the Zoom never ran out of time. 
Wait, I good. could not have done that Ollie rant on a Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really wish you had done because we could have seen your face when you were doing it. <laughs> Just head in the hands, to be honest. <laughs> anyway. Spinning a pen on my desk. Uh, we're going to come on to Last Ditch Challenge now, which has a wrapping up everything else we missed across the world of football over the weekend, as well as giving us a chance to preview any big matches coming midweek before extra time sink their teeth into them on Thursday. Uh, there was a lot of action in the Serie A over the weekend. Cristiano Ronaldo made his return after self-isolation, uh, coming off the bench to score two away at Spezia. Uh, but AC Milan extended their unbeaten run in the league by defeating Udinese away, with 39-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic scoring an incredible acrobatic effort late on to secure the win for his club. Uh, Struan, we've spoken about Zlatan's importance to Milan in the past couple of weeks, but it's really astounding to me that he can still put in performances of this level at his age. Uh, the question I have for you is, should he be considered one of the greatest strikers of his generation? And that's a generation which seen most of its most of his colleagues retire by now. Yeah, I, th- I think longevity is a massive, massive component in football. You know, how long you can play at a top level. I think you've always got a player's peak, but it's how well they can play at a high level since then. And I, th- I think Ibrahimovic is absolutely fantastic. I mean, we, we spoke about earlier on the, the injury that Kurt Zuma had. Ibrahimovic picked up a similar one that season and he basically used the MLS as his rehab and then he got back to 100% and decided, yeah, I'm going to go back to Europe where AC Milan, yeah, we'll just go there. And he's actually tweeted today a picture of him in a Sweden top saying, long time no see, which to me is a very big hint that he's going to come out of international retirement at 39 for either the upcoming Euros or World Cup campaign, which is pretty incredible, but is is just such a fantastic striker. I mean, there's not many players who could move to, you know, a club like Man United at 34 and then AC Milan at 37 when he when he signed for them. You know, it's absolutely incredible. And it's not even like he's just playing at an old age. He's playing at a very high level at that yeah, age as well. Top, it's top level. Uh-huh. Crazy. I think in the in the first team, you know, in the squad, the dressing room, everything. I think he'd be a massive voice. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so, long may it continue. I don't know, I feel like as a player he kind of gets looked down a bit upon just because of his attitude and his outlook. Uh, he's a lot more of a showman, he's more of a kind of Conor McGregor type than uh, a lot of his other uh, compatriots, but I, I still I still feel like he, did, he does deserve massive respect as a world-class striker and he's been doing it for decades, not even, not even just yeah. years at this point, but decades. Uh, Cameron, looking ahead, we've got another round of Champions League fixtures to look forward to this week. Uh, Group B could open right up on Tuesday night as Real Madrid host Inter Milan. Liverpool face a tough test away to free-flowing Atalanta in Group D. RB Leipzig and PSG face each other in a massive game in Group H. Well, the Edward Mendy derby, the game you picked out in your preview, plays out at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday night. Uh, Are there any other big hitters I've missed that you're looking forward to? Um, Not off the top of my head, no. Um, I think Liverpool-Atalanta is obviously... Like, of actual Rennes, Chelsea is my sort of match to look out for in our preview but it's definitely as the uh, Liverpool-Atlanta game that's two free-flown sides obviously Atlanta have lost a defender to like Castagna to Leicester and obviously mm-hmm. we've lost pretty much our entire <laughs> spine <laughs> of our team <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we've lost everyone and we're now going to be playing the best attacking team in Europe so that's just going to be an absolutely amazing game um, hopefully it's a like a 5-5 draw or something or you know a 5-4 win for Liverpool that'd be nice um, the more exciting the better really um, like you said, Group B could really open up. I think Inter Real that'll be a huge game. I think just purely because the the run that those two teams are on is such a weird game. Uh, no, what I I don't think anyone could really call that one. I think Inter could even maybe be favourites. I think that's maybe me pushing it a little bit too far. But um, and Chelsea and Rennes as well. I think it's hard to tell because of how the groups have gone so far. But I still think that's the game that's going to decide who goes through. I still think Sevilla are going to finish top. And I think one of those two teams is going to finish second and one of them is going to finish third. So I think we'll get a better outlook when that game is finished. Absolutely. Uh, and with every round of Champions League fixtures, the Europa League is never too far behind. Sean, the old former back in action this week with Celtic playing at home to Sparta Prague in potentially the easiest of their Europa League fixtures, where Rangers play their hardest as they travel to Portugal to play Benfica. How are we seeing these ones turning out for the old farm teams? Um, yeah, I completely agree with you that it's uh, Celtic's easiest game. Um, they looked good for the first half in Lille and then got paid back. They'll be hoping to take confidence from um, that result and then the Scottish Cup semi-final into that game against Sparta Prague. And if they want any hope 
of getting out of the, if they don't win that uh, win that game they're not getting out of that group it's yeah, as okay. simple as that for me and then like you said it's also Rangers uh, hardest game but they're so good in Europe um, and this Steve Davis was rested on Sunday it was a more attacking team you expect Glenn Kamara Glenn Kamara to come back in mm-hmm. for that game because he's particularly good in these uh, more defensive uh, ties for Rangers so initially you'd think that um, Benfica would win that one but you really can't rule out uh, Rangers in Europe they're fantastic any, any predictions for these ones are we are we going to make a call now uh, do you know what I'll say Rangers will get a 1-0 draw oh, and nice. Celtic will win 2-0 oh, wait, exactly Shane awesome. Duffy will be playing 2-1 2-1 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I imagine you're going to uh, go into more detail about these games on Thursday on extra time, so we will leave it there and let you cover that when your show comes around. Can I just quickly, oh, Jack? I missed out that Leipzig are playing PSG. That'll be huge as well. Just thought I'd put that in there. Thank, thank you, Cameron. Thank there you. The thank back you. Can I just put in the place behind all these reds? <laughs> Can, Can I put in the we're 10 days away from the playoff final? Look, that's many? next week's problem, Sean. That's next week's discussion. Ten days! Ten days until we go. <laughs> One game away! <laughs> <laughs> that is a mentality as of next week. Next Monday, it's all about one game away. Everything that I'm tweeting out is hashtag one game away, and I'm not getting told otherwise. That being said, that is the end of this week's episode of the Football Roundup. Thank you very much to list, to everyone for listening. I'm getting too excited, I can't even speak. Uh, be sure to subscribe. <laughs> be sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to keep up to date with all of our sports content. Thank you very much to Struan, Sean and Cameron for joining me today. Be sure to check out that episode of Extra Time later in the week and the Fancy Ramble on Friday, of course. But until then, I'm, I've been Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.